morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. It's good to have you with us as we worship God together. Let's see. If you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of paper in your bulletin and we will follow up with you accordingly. Also, if you are in need of prayer while you are here today, uh, there will be a members of our prayer team available in the back corner during the time of communion, uh, probably after communion, uh, to pray with you if you would like someone to actually be in prayer for you while you're here. Uh, let's see, a couple things going on around here. You uh, can see in your bulletin that a week from today, we are going to... Uh, break out all the Christmas decorations, set them out after church. We're going to put up the nativity scene out front. And uh, so that'll be going on on November 27th, one week from today. We have on December the 3rd, a uh, concert of Handel's Messiah that's um, being hosted at a church near uh, UTSA uh, North Campus. And that is free. It's a free concert, and there will be several of us going to see that. You are encouraged to attend. <laughs> and if you would like to carpool, please let Lois True know. Her contact info is there in the bulletin. It's just Lois at thetrues.com. That's kind of nice. It's good to have nerdy brothers who secure domain names when, you know, long, long ago. Um, but uh, that's coming up. And then youth group, we will have our annual youth group Christmas party on December the 11th, and, um, which brings up all kinds of questions. Um, so I'm just n I'm in this moment realizing I forgot to send out the reminder for our blueprint families. We're going to buy some. Uh, do you have a summary of what those gifts are? All right. Yeah, we'll do it. I mean, we'll, it'll go on social media. We'll put, we'll put it on social media. A couple of items um, from the Adult Worship Club So the sign-up will be coming out this week, and it's just some simple items. And then we added some things, like if you want to purchase an HEB gift card, or uh, ham or something like that. Those will be on the signups. And we're going to deliver those. The youth group will deliver those to the families that we served this past summer. Blueprint Ministries is an organization that helps uh, homeowners who are living at one and a half times the national poverty level or lower. And we send crews out to their homes. We fix up their roofs and other uh, problems that they might be having. Uh, you know, it's always good to have teenagers swinging hammers. It's good therapy. Um, and the whole, uh, the whole philosophy at Blueprint is just safer, drier, warmer, warmer. warmer safer, drier, uh, which in the summer is easy on the warmer part. That's no, it's no problem. Um, but uh, we're just trying to bless those families, and then we follow up with them over the holidays and take these gifts down to them, and the youth group will do that and deliver those uh, on December the 11th, and then we will have um, the Christmas party. Is that back here? Yes. Okay, that'll, that'll be here at 730, 
Well, until 7.30. So we'll take you down to deliver the gifts, and then we'll make our way back, and there will be a party. There'll be food, games, and a crazy stuffed sock exchange. Don't ask, but, you know, it's, it happens. All right. Yes, ma'am. For the blueprint gifts, it's already on our website. That is a glorious thing. Right, it's like, it, it's, no, it's the process has bypassed me. That's, that's the key to administrative success, bypass your pastor. Yes. Okay. All right, I think we have that mostly worked out for now. But, all right. <coughs> Where was I? Why don't we have all of the important people come down to the front. If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite you down for our children's chat at this time. And this is perfect. One more. Safe. All right. Caden, where's your sister? Did you sell her to the circus? Fair enough. All right. So, how are y'all doing? Good. Hi, Piper. How you doing over there? All right. So, let's see. How many of you brush or comb your hair? <laughs> oh, well, how many of you let someone brush your hair? Okay. I want your life. All right. Okay. You'll let, uh, yeah, I mean... Okay, so why do you comb or brush your hair? So you look good and don't have any tangles. Caden, um, are you worried about worried about tangles? No, not really. Me neither. Um, but you still want to look good, right? Okay, so you want to look good. Is looking good the most important thing in life? You ever met anybody that kind of seemed like they thought looking good was the most important thing in life? Good. All right. We're good. Um, so, all right. So I'm going to read you a Bible verse, and you're going to tell me what it means. And it involves, it tells us where looking good falls in the order of priorities. Here it is. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, charm can be deceitful. Beauty 
is what? Vain. What does that mean? And all they're worried about is how they look. Yeah, okay. All right. But then a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? No one? No one? Bueller? So to fear the Lord means to believe. First means you believe that God is real, that he loves you, and you respect his place in your life, right? So who's in charge of the universe? God. Well, what about your life? Who's in charge of your life? God, right? If you're doing it right, God's in charge of the universe and he's in charge of your life. Does God make mistakes? Yes. No. Does God love you? Yes. yes. So no matter what happens, you always have what? God. God and his love, right? Okay. And so that is what's most important in life. We still comb our hair or brush our hair, right? Or let other people brush our hair or turn ourselves into metaphorical puppies. Um, we, it's okay to look good, but the most important thing in life is that we understand that God loves us and that he's always there and that he is in charge of our lives. I think you get it. You got it? All right. Who's in charge? Good job. Let's pray. <laughs> or Jesus. Same, same. Dear God, thank you for these precious children. Thank you for the gift that they are to our church, to our families, to our lives. We pray your blessing over them as they study more of your word in Hope for Kids today. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great time. <laughs> the running has ended. Yes. Zoe. Yeah. It's all good. All right. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we pause before you, before we open your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us this morning through your living word and through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us and lead us, not only to understand your word, but lead us into what it takes to live out your word in our everyday lives. We lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our sins and disappointments, and we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. We lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for your peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses, we pray your healing mercies upon your people. We give you thanks 
this week especially for the freedoms which we enjoy as Americans. We pray your wisdom and discernment over our political leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. And we lift up our men and women in uniform and ask that you would watch over and protect them. We lift especially to you those who are in harm's way. We pray that you would bring them home safely. We lift up those who've returned home from their service to our country changed as a result of the sacrifices they were willing to make. We pray your healing over them, mind, body, and soul. Lord, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We think of all the voices that are joined together uh, this day to worship and honor you. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to join that chorus. And we pray your blessing over the churches that we are connected to uh, through our denomination and through our missions giving here at Hope. We lift up Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala and John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas. We lift up Pastor Miguel and Tatiana in Kamawani, Cuba at our sister church. And we lift up Pastor Patchy and his wife Marilyn in Havana, Cuba. We lift up uh, Benjamin and Monica Bailey in the Middle East and Robbie and Joyce Ham in Beirut, Lebanon. And we just pray your blessing over those works. We lift up the church plants that are taking place in Texas through our denomination in Katy and New Braunfels in Austin and in Dallas. We just pray your blessing over those young works. Lord, be with us now as we open your word. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we have been in a series of messages of late where we are looking at stories in the Bible that involve women whose names were not recorded there in the story. And so we've, we've been in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We've looked at different uh, episodes. They all reveal something of God's value uh, toward his, his daughters, towards women. That our Lord, who created us, created us male and female for a purpose, and that he has great value assigned to both of those realities. And we've been sort of exploring and celebrating his value in particular as it relates to women in this series. And I would just say, if, if you are a woman, I, I want you to hear this series or these messages as an affirmation, as something that, that is bringing out of you that which God wants to develop within you, and that you would see his love and his value for who you are and how he created you. If you are a man, I hope that you get from this series, a better appreciation for the women that God has surrounded you with, for the women that he's put in your life to reveal aspects of his character to you. And so we've been trying to look at these different um, vignettes, if you will, that involve women in scripture whose names were not recorded. And we come for our final segment, we come to Proverbs chapter 31, I'm going to be reading verses 10 through 31 of that chapter, and I want to just introduce it this way. Uh, this is going to seem rather silly for a moment, um, but do you know who first recorded the song, I'm Every Woman? Who comes to mind when you hear the song? Whitney comes to mind. Who first recorded it? 
And he, nope, close, not really, maybe, I don't know how close that is. Shaka Khan. That Carl was all over that. He's got her first debut album in vinyl, plays it every day. Um, <coughs> so one of, one of Shaka Khan's backup singers was, I can't remember her first name now, I'm drawing a blank, Cecily Houston? Is that right? No, Houston. It, Whitney Houston's mother. And so she brought her 14-year-old daughter with her to the studio for the recording session, and Whitney Houston actually sang in the backup chorus for the very first recording of I'm Every Woman, right? Fascinating. And then when she kind of made it on her own and she, she made that into her own song, kind of took it over, and uh, that's the one you remember, um, but in that song is, is the ethic that I want you to use as you listen to this passage today. I, I think the temptation for any woman that reads this, this passage is to try and compare yourself to the woman that's described here. No, 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 no. That, that happens in your life already way too much, right? This, this sense of comparison to other women. What I want you to hear is the power of your femininity as it's brought out in this passage. And I'll set a little bit of context for you. Um, the, the book of Proverbs as a whole, it actually states its purpose. And its purpose, it was written, it was recorded, it was compiled for the purpose of training up a young man who was probably going to be king to be wise to understand the world and how it works and what God values and desires from us. And so in this final chapter, you have this articulation of womanhood that's actually written to a young man so that he can understand what it, what it is that God has invested or vested in women that is of value and goodness and worth. And so... What you should hear when you read this is the I'm every woman concept, that this is, this is your chorus, this is your sisterhood, this is the body of people to whom you belong, and collectively you reflect all of these values, all of these aspects, these qualities of femininity are yours together as God's daughters. And so, please, read it that way as a celebration of womanhood and not as a way to compare yourself or, or sort of scale yourself on, you know, from one to ten on how well you're doing. Uh, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to open the eyes of a young man to the incredible infinite worth of the women that God has put in his life. And so if you read this in any other way, you're missing the point. So this should affirm your value, it should celebrate your womanhood, it should help those of us who are men to better appreciate the women that God has surrounded us with. So here we go, I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, 
and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Of course, when my wife hears this passage, all she sees is maids. (laughs) She had maids. Yes, maidens, whatever. Yeah. Um, what What a beautiful and robust articulation of the feminine potential, the feminine reality, the feminine heart, soul, work ethic, everything, right? The woman who, who makes the people around her better. And so w- what I would like to do is approach this passage from the vantage point of the men in the room in relation to the women in your life. So I want to approach it that way. Um, it, that's somewhat consistent with the purpose for which it was written, was to teach this young man what, what incredible worth the women that God had surrounded him with have and the value that he is to place upon them. And I think this will have implications for you if you are married or if you are single uh, your your mother your sister your significant other whoever um, you can you can apply this in multiple directions but I, I hope that as we move through this passage that you have 
uh, a woman in mind or some women in mind that you can direct these applications toward. And if you are a woman, I, I just want you to hear what God wants from the men in your life. So let's start. Um, verse 10. For, I'm going to look at verses 10 through 16 together. Of course, it begins with a rhetorical question. It's not saying that it's not possible to find an excellent wife. It's just saying it's important to find an excellent wife. Um, this assignment of value that is right there at the beginning of this passage, that we are to not just value the women in our lives, but to cherish them, to truly take their place in our lives to heart. And we'll begin, we'll look at uh, verse 11, which I think is really important. This idea that the heart of her husband trusts in her, that she is someone that is trusted by the men in her life, that we are to, if we are going to value and cherish a woman the way God wants us to, it begins with trust, with trusting her, with giving her our heart and allowing her to make us better. I So this is complicated for me because my mother is probably watching uh, as I say this. But <coughs> I was the type of teenager who did not want anyone else trying to make me a better person. I would buck against any positive influence in my life. I gave my mother... Um, what's the word, interminable grief um, just for trying to do her job, right? I, I made her life miserable at times um, just because I was fighting so hard. And as I look back, I think about all that energy that I wasted, all of that opportunity that I let slip away um, my mother is an incredible woman, truly an incredible woman. And that I was resistant to her influence upon me is just sad for me, right? That I, that I would have um, rebelled against that in any way where God put this incredible rock in my life and I didn't want it. And so I, I stand here as, I, as we read this passage Guilty as charged of, of not valuing the first woman in my life adequately when I was young. I did not take these words to heart. I, I bucked them. Um, but here we are from a different vantage point, a different stage of life, realizing what an incredible gift God has given me in my mom, right? And now... I can see that replicated in, in my wife. Uh, I've seen it lived out in my sister. I've seen my daughters grow up into this place where they actually um, make me a better man. 
they make me better. And I need to be open to that. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at here. That to cherish the women that God has surrounded us with involves first and foremost trusting them, giving them our hearts, and allowing them the privilege of making us better. Trust and then freedom. That we set the women that God has placed around us free that we trust them and we release them to engage their gifts and their callings as God leads. We are to respect their abilities. And when we do this, watch them thrive. Watch the women in your life thrive in trust and freedom. This is what their heart needs to feed upon in order to be the women that God has called them to be. So let's just go through some of this real quick. Verses 13 and following. She's working with raw materials, wool and flax. I love the image in verse 14. He compares her, the author compares her to a ship sailing out to a distant land. You can see her, her clothes flowing in the breeze as she takes off in the morning to go get whatever it is she's there to get. And she brings, she, she rises while it is yet night, verse 15, and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. She's in real estate. Not pointing any fingers, just saying. Um, and this is such a beautiful unrolling of feminine potential in this passage. And you think about all the time that human history has wasted trying to restrain women not trusting them, not giving them freedom, and why? It's crazy. Um, I can actually answer that question, and this is really a subject for another occasion. We'll do it some other time. Um, but I, I think the, the poison in the well came from the likes of Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. If you compare what they taught about women... Uh, to this passage, it is night and day. The, the word of God gives empowerment to the soul of a woman. The Greek philosophers uh, did a great disservice to the Western view of femininity. And I should say that, that the limitations upon women are not uniquely Western, uh, go to Afghanistan today if you want a terrible example of, uh, of how not to treat your women. Um, but I digress. I, I want to stay true to the passage and true to, to what we're doing here. Um, so I'm, I'll stop beating up on Greek philosophers and we'll just go back to the right way to look at the heart of a woman and to cultivate that heart and release it, which is where we'll get to next. We want to cherish 
the women that God has put in our lives, and we want to release their strength to help them build confidence in themselves. And you have this image of this woman who's ready, um, she's charitable, and she's laughing at the time to come. She's, she's all of you collectively, you're ready. You're ready for what God has before you. And so to release the women in our lives, we are to build up their confidence in themselves. And again, I'm just going to use myself as a terrible example. Um, you know, like this whole marriage thing, I'm really not very good at it. Um, and how do I want to say this? What I should be doing for my wife is, is building her confidence in herself. And yet, because I'm petty and selfish and male, I will often undermine her confidence in herself without even meaning to. Like, it's not like I'm out to get her, right? I love her. She's extremely important to me. I, I try to value her. And at the same time, I will undermine her confidence in herself with just a little silly comment or not making the right comment. To see the qualities that God has vested in her, her perceptiveness, this passage talks about this woman who, who looks at a matter and, and evaluates and makes a decision, right? That she's sharp, and I need to see that and do a better job of affirming that in my wife. And that we build up their confidence in their own perceptiveness and in the own, their own industry and charity of their hands. And I love the, the contrast between verses 19 and 20 as this author talks about her hands being on the distaff and the spindle. These are, these are images of, of basically spinning, of making yarn out of wool or flax. Um, and that her hands are skilled, they are purposeful, they are fruitful. And then in the very next verse, these are the hands of charity. Those same hands are turned outward, and they are the hands of love and grace and kindness to others. And so we see in this passage that releasing the women that God has surrounded us with involves building up their confidence in themselves, and it involves honoring their God-given dignity. Every, every one of us is created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26 tells us that he created us in his image, male and female, he created them. And so we are reflections of who God is. Women are a reflection of, of the nature and character of God. And we need to value that, we need to see that, we need to learn from that reflection more of who God is. To honor a woman's God-given dignity involves affirming her worth in Christ. There's, there are several um, 
images that are used in this passage, I'll just, I'll just touch on three of them briefly. There's the scarlet, like her children are not just clothed, they're clothed in scarlet. This is significant because that would be the second most unusual color in the ancient world. It's the second hardest color to set into the fabrics of the time. The most difficult color is the next one mentioned, which is purple. Um, and there were only a couple of places in the ancient world where you, could, where you could get dye that would cause something to stay purple over time, uh, or textiles anyway. Um, and, these, and then in the next verse, her husband is an elder. And I love the fact that this woman is doing everything. And what's her husband doing? Nothing. Right? He's sitting on his duff. Um, and here she is taking over the world. I love it. Um, but the fact that her husband is an elder, this all of the, the scarlet, the purple, the, the status of her husband all point to this, this value that she has in everything she touches. There is value all around her. Her her adding, she is adding value to her life and the life of all of those around her. That's the real idea there. That, and so you think about this, the purpose of this book of the Bible to teach a young man how to value women or this particular passage is, is how to better understand and value the women that God has put around him. We are to affirm their worth, their value, this, you know, some of you know my, some of my, um, like, crazy uh, attachments to tying Old Testament passages to the cross, and so every time I see the word scarlet in the Old Testament, I'm like, blood of Jesus, there it is, and, and, and actually, this is, this is true here. Right, this idea that this woman is everything she touches, she adds value to it, is the same idea that Christ conveys to us. That in Christ, everything he touches, we are blessed, we are grown, we are uh, increased in our capacity to absorb and reflect his light. And so <coughs> this, these assignments, these poetic assignments of worth and value, I do think actually point to the cross and the way that a woman reflects Christ through the ways in which she makes the people around her better, that she adds value to the world around her, the way Christ adds value to those who've come into his fold. We are to affirm her worth in Christ, and we are to affirm those qualities of God that she reflects, the wisdom, the kindness, the dedication, and you can just keep rolling that out, the industriousness, the charity, everything about her. That by affirming these qualities that we see in the women that God has put in our lives, we can strengthen their ability to reflect 
who God is, to strengthen their own idea of who they are in Christ. That's our mutual calling. You can do that uh, whether you're male or female, you can affirm the image of God in those around you. So to cherish her, to release her strength, and to praise her is where we will uh, wind up in this passage. Um, Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. I love that. Uh, It took me a while, because I was a stupid teenager, stupid male teenager, I would add, um, and I gave my mom a lot of grief. I, I look now at that incredible woman, her patience, her faith, her steadfastness, her love, her faithfulness. Um, I'm stunned by the level of God's nature and character that she revealed to everyone in her household. Um, you know, uh, people, people might say something about my mom, like, well, she didn't have a job. <laughs> she had five kids, four boys. Um, and on top of that, uh, she, was, she was, you know, this, this verse... Um, I'll find it. Verse 20. She opens her hand hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. Um, My mom was uh, involved, since she was in college, she was involved with a charity called the Lighthouse for the Blind. And when she graduated from college, uh, she continued being involved in that charity as an adult um, and was so involved that like she would drag us down there, right? And uh, you know, if we if we maybe there was a school in service day, and so the that little yellow tube didn't suck us in in the morning, and so we're you know she's she's going to take us with her. So into the station wagon, yes, we literally had a station wagon. Um, we would be thrown, and off we would go to the lighthouse for the blind. And <coughs> did I like it? No, because my friends were off doing other things, and yet there I was. Did I learn? Oh, yeah. I I learned a great deal from her, from the people that we were there to serve, who um, were remarkable in in so many respects. Um, But this conveyance of the value of serving others, of of not just doing what you want, but doing what needs to be done. Um, So, sort of backed up a little in my outline, I'll try to get back on to the the praising of the women that God has surrounded us with, but we are to find ways to bless the women around us to bless, to encourage, to demonstrate our appreciation. Um, and this is for the, for the Tom Mastersons and the Mike Mitchells in the room. Use actual words. Use them. Say something nice to your wife, Mike. Hi, there you go. 
See, that was better than a grunt or a moan or some other, you know, ugh, yeah. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Did someone say beer? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but how do we how do we phrase I, I think you probably can do a better job of this than I did. I, I was looking at verse twenty nine. The husband, so the children rise up and call her blessed, verse twenty eight, and her husband also, and he praises her, and this is the quote of what the husband says. Many women have many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. You're my one and only. You're my what how do you what's the best way to say that? There's got to be a love song that says that. You've surpassed them all. You're my world. You're my everything. You're my, I mean, don't go like past Jesus. Let's stop short of that. But this idea that we are to make the women in our lives feel as though they are unique, that they're to us of unmeasurable worth that we find ways to bless them we use actual words but we're going for her to leave our interaction with the sense that she is our one and only that she is a priority that she is valued and cherished and recognized as the gift that she is to our life we're to praise her, we're to find ways to bless her, we're to value and develop her faith, because that is what matters the most. This, this little verse, this one gets stolen out of the passage all the time, and it's okay, it's a good one, right? Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That tells us what we need to know. That the most important quality in a woman is her faith. This is where her true strength is found. This is where we thrive while she thrives. We, as, as the men in her life, should be engaged in feeding into that blessing of her faith, of t making her faith grow, advancing it, being a partner with her in that. Because when we do this, when we look at the women that God has put in our lives, and we cherish them, and we release their strength and freedom and trust, and we praise them and cultivate the faith relationship that they have with their Creator, Watch her go. Just watch her go. The sky is the limit, right? Like, who can stop that woman? Not me. I, I've tried. It didn't work. Yeah, I'm married to her. Um, but this, this is our calling as Christians is to value and cherish the women that God has surrounded us with to trust them, to release them in freedom, to build up their confidence in themselves, to honor their God-given dignity, to praise them and bless them, to 
join with them in the development of their faith and to watch them thrive. Will you pray with me? God, our loving Father, we give you thanks for the women in our lives, for the incredible gift and blessing that they are to each of us. We thank you for the ways in which you created them and that collectively you have called them into this incredible sisterhood of faith that reflects your light, shines your glory, adds value to the lives of all of those around them. We pray that you would help us to assign that value better, to articulate it, to call it forth, to affirm it, and to praise those women that you have filled with your Holy Spirit to be examples of your grace, your love, your kindness in our lives. We give you thanks, and we just pray your blessing over all of the daughters of your kingdom. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.